Welcome to the Dead Men of Whiskey, a podcast about the remarkable lives and sometimes unusual deaths of the names we all know in whiskey. Now settle in, pour yourself a drink, and sip along with Amy and Christian as they tell you a story about one of those names on a bottle. Hi, whiskey friends. Welcome back to another live episode of the Dead Men of Whiskey. I'm here with Christian. Hey, Christian. How you doing, everybody? It's really good to see you again. This is uh, my second live episode with you all, and uh, it's getting better every time. Good we, to see you again. We are very excited this week because we've got some some follow up from last week's episode, which was on William Bainbridge. And before we get started, I want to remind everybody about a couple of things. One is we've got some prizes to give away to those that pre-registered for tonight's show. And we've got a trivia question that that comes with a prize as well. And in case you guys forgot, or it's your first time here, we've got this wonderful bell, which seems to be a fan favorite. Mine is wearing out, actually. I don't know how I've had to use it so much, but it, it seems to <laughs> it's your second Tell them about show. the bell. Tell them why we use the bell. All right. So yeah. we use the bell because we are not perfect human beings. We are not even close to being perfect. And we make mistakes all the time. If we make a mistake, the other one, or we can ring the bell on ourselves. Somebody's gonna ring the bell. And if we ring the bell, we will drink. You can choose to do so at home if you are able to do so safely. Um, we don't want you to we're not pressuring you to drink, but if you want to join us and can do so safely, feel free to have a drink every time we make a mistake. So our mistakes are your wins. Does that sound like a good plan? Sounds like a plan to me. Okay. But now we just have to make you sure have that to pour Christian, yourself a really big cup, Amy. <laughs> yeah. Like we need to make sure that Christian's not making mistakes intentionally so we can drink and that you're prepared. I'm going to drink anyway. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Speaking of drinking, what are we drinking Nothing's going to stop me from drinking. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Nobody's going to stop you from drinking Nobody. ever. <laughs> um, speaking of drinking, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking the Bainbridge Island um, Isley Cask. Okay. So before we get too deep into this, I'm going to introduce our guest tonight. His name is Keith. And he is joining us. It's Keith Barnes. He is the founder and um, distiller from Bainbridge Island Distilling. Uh, welcome, Keith. Thank welcome, you. Welcome, Keith. So Glad to be here. It sounds like you're drinking the. Well, I already forgot what you said you were drinking. I'm just, drinking the Isla Cast, the smoky one. Okay, I'm gonna drink the Battle Point, the Bainbridge Battle Point whiskey. I think everybody got started before me, but you, you do that just to make the sound, right? <laughs> no, no, I'm seriously, just terrible at opening bottles. Was it? Wait, was it the? Was it this episode that I like struggled so hard with the bottle? <laughs> it was, and then and then he and then he clowned you by by pretending that it was really hard to get off and making the noise. So I think we should talk about your your bottles and how difficult they are to open while we have you on here but um it hasn't been that difficult because that bottle's been quickly going this week it just clearly oh, that's, that's good 
So tell us a little bit about what we are actually drinking. Well, Christian is drinking. Um, does that bottle say uh, barrel proof or does it, uh, is it just regular Isla cask? It's the barrel proof. You know, it, oh, and by the way, say that again, because that's my first bell, Amy. Uh, oh. I pronounced that completely wrong. <clears throat> like a. Islay cask? Yeah, I said Islay cask. Well, how do you pronounce it correctly? Uh, Isla. 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 What's yeah. where does that come oh. from? Is that. That's just that's just that's just how they pronounce it. There you go. Scottish Scottish word. So okay, that's uh, what I, that's what I was trying to see. It's Scottish. Okay, right. Yeah. All right, well, yes, so this, I have an island cask. So this 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 series of whiskeys, uh, this two islands series of whiskeys, us being on an island, we decided that we were going to make some cask finished whiskeys, but we really wanted to do it in kind of a theme uh, about our company and where we're located. So we pulled barrels from other places in the world that are making spirits, uh, but that are also islands. So we have a, we have a Barbados cask whiskey. We have an Isla cask whiskey and we have a Hokkaido cask whiskey and upcoming we'll have a Madeira finished whiskey. All of those barrels are coming from other Island distilling companies or in the case of Madeira, a wine company. So, but the one that you're drinking is a limited release. It was aged in uh, 10-year-old Ardbeg and Laphroaig barrels for a period of about 13 months. And it was really, really smooth uh, at 108, 110 proof. And so we decided to bottle it at barrel proof. So it's a limited run. Uh, we'll probably do it again because it's been very popular. But it's, uh, excellent. That, it's actually what I'm drinking right now, too. Yeah. Oh, so, is it really? Oh, cool. It actually, is. Yeah, it's, I've got it. Uh, I brought out a, a cigar today just to, since I was going to be drinking this. I was thinking this would be like the perfect thing to have with a cigar. It is. Although, you know, for, for me, I can't, uh, I'm so used to drinking and writing tasting notes that uh, if I smoke a cigar, then uh, I have a is lot of fun, but my tasting notes are, yeah, they're, yeah, they're pretty well shot. <laughs> so, well, um, they always, yeah. I mean, I do obviously clearly appreciate a good whiskey, but um yeah. But the, the the fun the fun I think is the uh, the overriding concern for most of the time when I have a glass in my hand. Yeah, mo most most of the time I'm on the clock yeah. all the time though. I'm trying to you know want to get it right here. So <laughs> I got um, you. You're doing a great yeah. job. Yeah, thank you. You should have your own distillery. <laughs> I should. You know that I I've, I was thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> I think you do have your own distillery. Oh I... shit. <laughs> I'd like to thing. point out how many awards your distillery has. And I mean, for lack of a better description, you're a pretty small distillery. Uh, yeah. I know that you've got in all of the accolades and I'm not going to name them all. And I'm not going to say the years cause I didn't write it down, but best American grain craft whiskey of the year, world's best wheat. There's all kinds of awards around your your products, not just your whiskey, but your other products too. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about what Bainbridge does and well, makes? And well, we we're 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 a grain whiskey distillery. So, mm -hmm. uh, although we, we we make a bourbon, uh, but we're really um, we're really we're an organic distillery, and we focus on grain whiskeys. So, uh, 
bourbon is a grain whiskey, but there's all kinds of other grain whiskeys out there. And uh, so um, our whole thing has been that, uh, that we want to be grain to glass. Uh, we want to pull grain from the field with the farmers and we want to take it to the shop and work it all the way through. We don't ever buy any bulk. We don't do anything that's offsite. Um, and because Washington is such a strong state for wheat, uh, wheat for Washington is like a world-class product. Uh, soft white wheat is a preferred product in a number of different places around the world just because um, it's so good. And the organic soft white wheat that comes from here is so expressive and so high quality. And um, for organic production, they typically plant wheat that they were using maybe 50, 60, 70 years ago because it can grow without any kind of chemical intervention with, you know, with soil fumigation or all the stuff that they do with conventional crops. So um, it's really been about trying to make a, a whiskey that expresses where we're from. So we've got local grain, we're aging it on an island that's surrounded by salt water. We really wanna have, um, hesitate to use the word terroir because it's kind of a wine thing, but you really wanna have people get the get the sense that that they're drinking something that's from a real place and that that place has put a fingerprint on that product and that's making it different and i think that 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 plays uh the organic provenance the quality of the grain and how expressive it is and then being on the island um <clears throat> i think that that attests a lot to uh to the number of, of awards that we've won and obviously my prowess as a distiller, you know, plays a small role. I'm sure it's a very small role. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a really great pedigree. And not to mention, I mean, I'm sure, you know, on an artistic level, on your uh, distillery art, art level, um, I'm sure it's very, uh, it must feel great to get that kind of recognition. Validation. Well, I think, you know, I've been in the spirits industry for about 35 years on the marketing side, uh, started distilling about 16 years ago and opened Bainbridge about 11 years ago. Um, and two things, I think that when we started, I knew how to build a profile for what kind of whiskey we wanted to have. So it's like building a house. You don't start building a house without a set of blueprints. You got to know what you're trying to build and what you're trying to do before you start. And I know that a lot of distillers um, get started and you make a, you know, you make a whiskey and it tastes good. And it's like, damn, this is our whiskey. For us, it's a little bit more pragmatic than that. There's a little more planning that goes into it. We use the same um, type of things that large distillers go through when they're building a profile for a product and then figuring out how to build it. Um, and I think that that, I think that that, that plays a big role in it. And then just being blessed with being in a, in a part of the world that really has phenomenal agriculture and a really willing, um, consumer base that's, that's ready to try anything and, 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 you know, willing to give you some, uh, honest, hard feedback as to whether it works or not. Gotcha. Well, that's awesome. I think what we heard here. <clears throat> is the West Coast is the best coast, but I'm not trying to. Mm, that's what you heard, huh? That's, that's yeah, definitely that's, what yeah. I heard. That's what you said. That's what you said. 
I'm 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 from I'm from here, so so you know I'll uh, you know. Oh man, you're getting uh, up on me right now. I'm not feeling New York that well right at the moment. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I just came back. I I went out uh, when we were recording some of these episodes. I was out in Seattle, and believe me, every time I go out to the West Coast, I I want to bring like at least several aspects of it back here. But that's impossible. So I just deal with New York. But, you know, it is what it is. What can you do? Christian was also here. You know, that super rainy period we had a couple weeks ago? He was what here. Super, like, 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 like in Seattle, three years. did you have a super rainy period? Really? We did? <laughs> yeah. I didn't exactly. notice. The, gra- the, gra- the skies were so gray, I couldn't see that there was raining. The it only was... reason I noticed is the office flooded. So we were like recording oh. and then taking breaks to vacuum water out. But yeah, yeah that was fun. That, yeah, <laughs> that's such well, a when, great when vacation. You, when, you live, when you live on Bainbridge Island, all water runs downhill. So oh. there's no flood oh. here. <laughs> it's, it's rarefied air up here. So while Christian was here, we had a very special bottle that we opened on the podcast, and it was really obvious that it was one of our favorites that we've had during the podcast, and that is the Yama. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about the product, and then I'd love for you to share kind of the story behind how it got its name and the project that you worked on with it. Yeah, and just for, for the fans out there that, you know, just to say, this is literally, what he's about to talk about is literally my favorite whiskey. This is my favorite whiskey. And please, tell us about uh, it. Well, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm involved in a lot of local community stuff here. And, um, and we always try to take the road less traveled when we're, when we're talking about causes. You know, here... You know, if you're if you're part of the school foundation, or you're having to do with pets, or you're having to do with healthcare or affordable housing, there's a million people that are lined up that are willing to support that. We do a lot of stuff for wildlife and a lot of stuff for the environment and a lot of cultural stuff that's specific to Bainbridge Island. Um, we learned about it was back in uh, right after we opened. It was right it was 2011 that. Um, that there was a piece of property on Bainbridge Island that uh, there used to be a first-generation immigrant Japanese village on. Uh, People that had moved here from Japan um, uh, when their society had changed from being agrarian to being more westernized, moved all around the globe, had a lot of people that moved here in the 1880s from Japan, and they founded a village called Yama. And the village was standing for about 40 years. Uh, a lot of people worked at a mill that was right at the foot of the village. Uh, the village was raised in the early 20s and people moved away. Uh, but a lot of their ancestors, a lot of their families still live here on Bainbridge Island. Uh, we have a large Japanese American community here. And we learned that the property that the village used to be on had been ceded to the parks department. And the parks department was taking community comments on putting horse trails and motorcycle trails and all the and all this stuff through this historical site that really had never been cataloged. It's on the side of a hill, so it's kind of inconvenient to get to. And um, the community kind of had an uproar, and the relatives of the people that grew up in this village named Yama had a little bit of an uproar, and they started talking about doing an archaeological dig. 
we figured that that was going to need funding. So we decided that we wanted to create this whiskey that had a foot in America and had a foot in Japan. And so that we would create a whiskey that we would make in the American style, a grain whiskey, that we would age it in Japanese oak so that we would actually have a whiskey that was expressing kind of both cultures and both worlds at the same time. Um, it took us about three years to actually secure our first load of Mizunara oak from the Japanese island of Hokkaido. And that's kind of its own story. But um, we kind of kept it top secret. Uh, we aged the whiskey off. We launched it in 2016. Um, and uh, its inaugural price was uh, $499.95 uh, a bottle. And we donated $399.95 to uh, the organization that was overseeing the archaeological dig that was going on at the south end of the island here that was being conducted by some state historical agencies, the local historical museum, and some colleges and agencies from Japan. So we had a lot of people that were here. They were here for three years during the non-rainy season uh, doing a dig. And the sales of this whiskey, the creation of this whiskey, uh, was really to to fund that dig. That's the only reason that we did it. We're not trying to copy Japanese whiskey. We're trying to copy kind of the, we're trying to just express the hybrid existence of what happens when people move from one culture to another culture, uh, what they assimilate, how they change. And, you know, you can express more than, more than one thing uh, when you're, when you come from a different place and set up in a new place. Well, I 100% get that and applaud that. That's, that's amazing especially in the context of the archaeological dig. That's, uh, I mean, that, that's, that's a, a cultural blessing, I guess, really, to, to, to be able to, to, to give and to be able to be a part of that um, for yourself and for them. That's yeah, it, it, was, it was really, it was a, 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 a real special experience to be able to do that. Um, I never thought that our whiskey would have um, any kind of, you know, any kind of real social significance, but mm -hmm. to be able to do something that, that, that nobody else was doing and to use the whiskey as a way to draw people's attention to it, uh, it was it was great. It was uh, it was very gratifying. And I think I read that in like 1890, the village had 300 residents or something like that. So it was a sizable village for the yeah, the the first guys that came over here were a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, married guys that left their families back there to set up uh, their living establishment here, and then they sent for their wives, and their wives came over and they had kids, and it was it was a it was it was a place on the island back then. It was the place that people wanted to go to on the weekend. They had a Japanese bath, and they had um, uh, they had a tea. A, you know, a tea house and people would even come from Seattle to, to visit the Japanese village on, on Bainbridge Island. Uh, there was a guy uh, named Takayoshi who had a general store here and, um, and people said that he made the best ice cream uh, in the Puget Sound. They made homemade, they made, you know, store made ice cream here. So there, there is something that I like as much as whiskey and that happens to be ice cream. So yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't combined the two of them, but uh, you know, if I had some Takayoshi's ice cream, I'm certain that I would. Yeah. 
absolutely. Um, and then since we're talking about history, we are a history podcast. I heard through the grape grapevine somewhere that your grandfather was a rum runner in the Puget Sound. Can you he confirm? Was. Oh, he's got prohibition yes. bones too. Right on. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Uh, my mom's dad, his name was, uh, his name was, uh, Bill Detman. And, uh, he was, uh, his family came from Germany. He was born in Germany and they brought him over here, uh, with the family in, uh, 1902. And they lived in Winnipeg, a place called Winnipeg Osea, actually, which is outside of Winnipeg. I think Winnipeg Osea means that it's the armpit of Winnipeg. You're like out in the middle of nowhere. Um, uh, his dad, um, was, was pretty, uh, was, was pretty strict and, uh, he ran away from home, uh, when he was 11 and rode the rails from Winnipeg to the Pacific Northwest, uh, worked in lumber camps out here in Washington and down in Oregon, um, uh, worked for the railroad, uh, building trestles through the, and tracks through the Cascades. Uh, and then uh, became uh, found something that was probably a lot less work, maybe a little more risky, but more lucrative um, by um, uh, uh, doing some bootlegging with uh, whiskey that was coming down from um, the south end of Vancouver Island. So if you don't know, between Washington State and Canada, there's just a, a part of the border is across the water. And in, in Washington, you know, we were in prohibition, but in Canada, they were all about the business of trying to flood the market with as much liquor as they probably, as they possibly could. Those, so those dastardly Canadians. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but, but he, but my grandfather, but he was, he was a, he was a German Canadian. So, you know, oh, you could well, say that he different. was, yeah. he was being patriotic, you know, <laughs> yeah, the, American, the, the American, you know, American distilling heritage. A lot of it came from Germany, you know, the, the Canadians were willing to pitch in and do the hard work to try to, to try to slake the thirst of the, of the, of the thirsty, sad Patriots, man. Americans, I you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm he was, he, wasn't even, I'm gonna raise my glass he, he wasn't even a citizen yet. And he was being ultra patriotic to his, uh, his U S neighbors. So, I, um, I think a lot of people Europe. don't realize how rich of a history the Puget sound in Seattle area have with um, rum running and uh, prohibition activities. And it kind of gets overlooked in the big picture of what prohibition was, but because of the proximity to Canada and um, how our islands are all placed, it was, it was crazy times here in the wild, wild west. Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's something about trying to, you know, get a truck across the border because you got to go across the bridge or you got to go on a road, but all these little boats sailing from all different places coming down here and dropping off liquor out in the middle of nowhere. Um, pretty hard to control. And on the Seattle side, it was really more, um, the, the big issue was the Seattle government trying to control, uh, liquor coming in from other places because, uh, a lot of the people that were part of the government of Seattle were involved in, in liquor running. So, yeah. Their big thing was, you know, they would they would go out and they would try to to, to scour the Straits of Juan de Fuca and pick up people that were running in speedboats and get their liquor. 
but not so they could arrest them, so they could get the liquor and then bring it down to Seattle and they could sell it themselves. Yeah, they were. It was a shady Wild West town back then. That's yeah, enterprising. Enterprising. It is. I mean, really ridiculous rules and laws at, at the during Prohibition. So I don't know. Oh, and and today as well, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I know because I can't get, uh, you know, there's, with the shipping restrictions between different states, it's hard to get some of the things I really like. So, yeah, uh, yeah unfortunately. But, yep. you know. All right, Keith, I have a couple of questions for you from people that are watching. And okay. the, the one that came in right away as soon as you appeared on screen was, what's Keith's favorite from your stock of whiskey behind you? And then also, what's your favorite from your own line? Oh, I, I'd have to say the favorite from my own line uh, would have to be uh, the Yama, only because it uh, we had a plan for it, but Americans we've n nobody's ever worked with Mizanara oak, so mm -hmm. we didn't really know as much what to expect as we did with any of our other whiskeys. I mean, I, I feel great about all our whiskeys and we've done a good job building them to the pattern we tried to build them to. But Yama is really an expression of, of the raw materials that go into it and the wood and, uh, and the barley. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of that one. That's my, that's my favorite one. I don't, I don't drink that one all the time. Uh, but, um, but definitely is the one that I'm the most proud of. And I think is the one that's the most unique. Uh, the whiskeys here, like, I don't know what to, uh, I don't even know. I, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to say, you know, I mean, I have a 34 year old Bunahaven from, you know, from 1964. And I've got, I got Jack Daniels from 1984. They're, uh, inaugural edition for uh for teddy roosevelt and 1916 uh old overholt um and, and that those bottles all have liquid in them also you didn't make a mistake but somebody's giving us shit in the comments so that bills for you uh, <laughs> so oh. all right you have to drink too so those 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 bottles those bottles are all full um yeah, they're awful, you know. Hague's whiskey from uh, from 1935. Wow. Uh, wow. You know, McAllen 10 from the 1980s. I mean, it go. It, you know, I, I. It's all over the place. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I can't. I will tell you one thing. Um, there was a product that was made in the early 90s. Uh, it's called Chivas Oldest and Finest. I'm holding a bottle of it up right here. And um, it, about the same time that, um, that Bronfman stepped down from Seagram's, and Seagram's owned Chivas uh, and Glenlivet and the Longmorn and Glenkeith and all these other distilleries. And I don't think most people realize it, but Chivas does or did and does have an unbelievable uh, stock of old, 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 old whiskeys that nobody else can touch. 
And <clears throat> before Bronfman retired and handed the reins over to his son, who subsequently sold off Seagram's for a song and bought MCA and then drove MCA into the ground and all the rest of that. Um, they made a blend called Chivas Oldest and Finest. And it was made with whiskeys that were the ones that they had, that the ones that they had downstairs that they brought up when they had royalty that came over. Oh, whiskeys that were 30, 50, 70, 100 years old. And they made a blend. They did it one time. They put it out there and then it was gone. Uh, I tasted it for the first time about 15 years ago and was just blown away. I mean, the depth of Do you have any it, idea how many bottles still exist? I don't. Uh, I've got people that are that look for it, and I get I get emails when somebody finds a bottle at a liquor store, whether it's here or whether it's in Germany or in Scotland or wherever. So I continue to pick up bottles. I think I've probably all totals maybe even the... Even the giant one point, uh, this is one, this is 1.5 liters. So this is like pre-America, you know, with their draconian rules on how big bottles need to be here. It would have to be a 175, <laughs> but um, just a phenomenal whiskey, actually so sparkling that it, it almost has an effervescence to it. It's got oh, wow. such a great deep flavor. It's like a singular whiskey. So it's one of my favorite whiskeys. I, oh, I love wow. all these old whiskeys and old bourbons and old Canadian whiskeys. Phenomenal. But that one is, that one, it, you know, continues to kind of come to the floor. Well, Keith, I have just decided I've made it a, a, a lifelong goal to drink with you at some point. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm on this train. You right ask, ask, ask anybody. I, I share it all. It's, it's, this is a, uh, like all this whiskey, I know lots of collectors that collect whiskey and they sit around and it's like, you're killing it, man. You got to open those whiskeys <laughs> up. You got to let yeah. people taste them. This for this, this Fortuna whiskey, I, I do a, I'm doing an Instagram thing called my year of whiskeys. So every day I'm profiling a whiskey that I have in my collection that people should be drinking if they have it, but they're not. This whiskey is like so fucking good it's unbelievable i tested I, I hadn't tasted it in a while and mm -hmm. the aroma of it it's like uh those we don't have them out here on the west coast those those gets uh vanilla caramels that they have mm -hmm. uh yes okay. i love those. Like, are you serious i'm serious the nose on it i was nosing it and it was like <clears throat> you know when you know when you'd like you chew food or you chew candy, you know, you know, you're kind of like, it's not only the taste of it, it's the smell of it because oh, you yeah. know, you're okay. Most of the taste it was like smell. that. It like blew me away. It was like, God, this is like unbelievable. I'm like typing it out. I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, people aren't going to believe how much vanilla and caramel is coming off this thing, but it's amazing. And then I saw a photo of somebody who had a pristine um, pint bottle. I mean, the label was perfect and it's all like, you know, and the bottle's all polished up. You know, this one was all covered with gunk when I got it. Um, mm -hmm. And it's like, fuck you, man, you got to open that thing up. This is like a game changer. When you, when you taste these old whiskeys, you are like ruined forever for drinking yeah. modern whiskey. You're well, that's like, what the what? Yama did to me, dude. That's, <laughs> that's what the Yama did to me. Yeah, it's like you're out there looking for unicorns now. It's like, okay, yeah, you know, well, where's, where's the next like life-changing whiskey? They're out this there. This is true. You're just showing me your old bottle of old, old overhold. 
and on a on a random uh, any whatever Tuesday, I'll pick up a bottle of old old Overholt, and I and I dig old Overholt. But like you're showing me this like hundred year old bottle that I'm sure is amazing, and these uh, no, it's the the but the Yama definitely has has made me a lot more um, uh, curious to go outside of my um, you know my wheelhouse really I guess you know the boundaries of whatever experience I've had so far, but um, I'm yeah. I'm I'm with you on that. And there's there, there's okay. such good whiskeys out there that uh, that people the people don't even know. I, you don't want to get in in you know evangelical about it, but it's like no, you know, there's no point in that. That's that's yeah. not what this show's about. I can tell you that much anyway. <laughs> they, yeah. they, my, my thing is like just just try it. You know, if there's something you know that the bartender recommends or something that you know that a friend recommends, you know, just give it a go. People stay in the same rut, and uh, and you gotta. You know, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you gotta branch out. Speaking of ruts, one of the questions, or the, there's two questions. How many bottles do you have around you? If you had to estimate, because I'm sure you don't have an exact count over there. Well, between between my office, which is where I am right now, and the bar in my house, um, uh, which we built when we moved here, and my office at the distillery. Um, Maybe sixteen, seventeen hundred bottles. Wow! And that's do you, a good weekend, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right? Do you have any frequent free? Why I can't say the word free? Frequent, frequent repurchases. Are there? Do you have things that you go back to? Um, when they come up, yeah. yeah. So. I'd say that uh, that bourbons from the 30s and the 40s um, are all are almost always uh, not a disappointment. Some of them can be a little bit, but some of them are just un- they're just they're just unbelievable. The the bourbons that we taste now, um, you know, ba- uh, Basil Hayden has a little bit of a 40s flavor of, of, of whiskey to it. And there's a few other ones, but uh, bourbons from the 30s and the 40s, um, big brands, little brands, uh, I'll take them all because they're all gonna be pretty good. Canadian whiskeys, Canadian whiskeys from the teens through the 50s. Canadian whiskey is like super well integrated when they're making it. It's separate grain whiskeys that are distilled and aged on their own in their own barrels. And then they co-mingle them and then they age again to marry up. Um, it makes them one of the most stable old whiskeys that there are. They just don't come apart in the barrel they, or in the bottle. They just get better. And old Canadian whiskeys are just unreal. You drink them and, and you're just like, you know, what the fuck am I drinking this other? So why did I go to Safeway? I mean, <laughs> you know, this bottle, this is Shenley 909. So this is a bottle from, this is a bottle from the fifties. Uh, and Shenley had, had operations in Canada and in the U S they made unreal bourbon, like killer bourbon. Anybody would give their, I don't know, I have a bell, but anybody would give no, their left. No, nut. I do. Okay. Anybody <laughs> that's making whiskey would give yeah, their actually, left I, nut. I can see the people commenting in uh, in Twitch 
<laughs> yeah. They're like, why? How is it that yeah. you got, I'm going to watch your show and you're going to actually not make mistakes. I mean, what is, what's yeah. that all about? So you just so, did them a favor. Anybody Cheers. that's making whiskey would give their left nut to make Chenley bourbon. It's unreal. And the Canadian whiskey that they made on the Canadian side, they'd give their right nut to make that one. So <laughs> it's just it's ludicrous. <laughs> you t- I like, like this bottle, this bottle last night, I don't know if you can see the liquid level. Mm-hmm. This bottle last night was like up to here. I I profiled this and I was drinking it and it was like, this is, this is, this is really good. So I accidentally just continued to drink it, you know, through the night while, uh, while watching, while we're, we're watching, we're going, we're watching Game of Thrones again because we're going through withdrawals on like, you know, anything decent to watch on television. So. Oh, there's so much good stuff. Well, are you going to stop at season uh, with the last season, or, or were you satisfied oh. with it as a whole? Oh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, actually, actually, you know, it's just it's it's really well made entertainment. So, um, you know, we we watch you know, get- we watch we watch other stuff. So, but you know, but we decided we were going to go back to that one just because. Uh, uh, we didn't want to work that hard and trying to find another series that already had like six seasons where we could like binge the shit out of it. No, so, totally. It's like revisiting an old friend. It's like revisiting an old whiskey. It's it's like, you yeah, know, you, you, you know, you know, it's going to be good. You yeah, know? Exactly. exactly. You know, you go, you know, you look at, you look at a character and you go, okay, that guy needs to be dead. Yeah. And you know, yeah. you know, and I remember saying it when we first watched it, you know, and, and they come on again and you go, you know, that guy, he, he just, he just needs to go. Yeah, but he'll go. It'll be satisfying. It'll be ultra more satisfying, you know, knowing that he's going to go. Knowing that that he does go. So I feel you. Hey, Amy. Yeah. Do you want to you want to try to test uh, Keith's knowledge? That's where exactly where I was going. So you might be right on. So So this is the first time we've ever done an episode about a dis about a man that wasn't the actual distiller. So you might be at a little bit of a disadvantage in this next section, but okay. we're still going to do it anyway. Cause you listen That's to the okay. episode, right? Well, the thing is also that we never really have a really good chance of getting anyone to get the questions wrong. So, cause everyone does, you know, whatever it's a brand ambassador, they always know 10 times more than we do. And oh. they end up correcting us on two or three things that we said wrong when we were in the episode. So um, well, we'll, ho- we'll hope for that kind of a performance. Yeah. So, so <laughs> we're going to do two truths and a lie. Is yeah. if you were William Bainbridge or Christian's William Bainbridge or somebody's William Bainbridge. William Bainbridge. No, this is mine. I'm reading this one. All right. <laughs> like a child. But anyway, two truths and a lie, Keith. All right. So truth number one. All right. So one, three comments. You're not supposed to say truth number one. <laughs> Mix them up. I'm supposed to say a lot of things. Mix them up. Anyway. Well, fine. I was trying right, not to drink a lot a tonight. You get three statements. Two of them are true. One of them is a lie. You have to okay. pick which one's a lie, right? So, for everyone at home, now, again, the whiskey is named after the island, not the person, the island. Yeah. The island is named after the person I'm about to ask you questions about. So, hopefully, okay. the segue helps. Or the, uh, you know. Two degrees you know, separation. Do you, do you know who anyway. named the island? Do you know who named the island that? Damn it. Now you're going to get more meta than that? Like, you're going to go, like, into, like, 
Three dreams Char- down inception. Char- What's going on? Char- no, Charles, Charles, Charles Wilkes, who was Charles uh, Wilkes. Charles Wilkes. So, so Bainbridge was first scouted uh, by by Vancouver when he came through here uh, for the British government, and he named all kinds of shit around Puget Sound with all these British names. And then, in eighteen forty one, the U.S. sent out its own scouting parties here to the Pacific Northwest, and uh, Charles Wilkes, who was in charge of this part of the Puget Sound, his job was to take anything that wasn't named a British name and name it after something American. And so they had hundreds of locations that they went to around here and they named them after something American. And so he was just uh, dissing the British with each island. He's just like, well, he did. They didn't, they didn't rename, but they took, if it didn't have a name, they named it. And and Wilkes was, and Wilkes was a big fan you know, they, by, by 1841, Bainbridge was out of play, but Wilkes was a big fan of Bainbridge's uh, reputation during the War of 1812, not of all of his screw-ups and subsequent ship losing and, you know, getting taken prisoner yeah, and all that stuff. But that he was like a buff badass and he had that, you know, that wild curly hair and the big beard looked like he would kick the limb shit out of you. He was probably like yeah. six foot you know, eight inches tall. And um, so he named the island after William Bainbridge in 1841. Mm. I made the mistake. I feel like of, I we made, just I got schooled. Mis- I, made the I know, mistake. right? There's like no chance he's going to get this wrong now. I made, I made, well, probably will. I made the mistake in a brochure of saying that, uh, that Bainbridge was discovered by Vancouver and then named by Charles Wilkes and I was schooled that by the local community here that uh, that there was people here before Vancouver yeah. came here, and so I was so I'm I don't make state I don't make wild rash statements like if that it, anymore. Oh, if it makes you, I think that's appropriate. If it makes you feel any better, that's how we know people listen to our podcast because every once in a while we'll say something, and oh. everybody will be like, "How could you say that? Like, it yeah, was blue, you'd not be red." Completely wrong about this. Okay, I've I've I've, I've hijacked your question. As I was, <laughs> no, 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 I'm question. about to go there right now, right now. Okay, okay so let's two go. truths and a lie. Two, uh, <laughs> two truths and a lie. Yes. <laughs> All right. Think. William Bainbridge was the father to five children. William Bainbridge was involved in a total of six duels throughout his life. And William's father served as a surgeon in the British Army and was convicted of high treason by the Senate of New Jersey. Uh, The second one. He was only involved in one duel, which he set up to fuck over his uh, Decatur. Like, shit, Decatur, come on. You're You're supposed to be a strategist. He's a fucking jackass, that guy. He screwed this guy over. He 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 wanted to burn the boat, and then you like danced in there and burned the boat. He was had it. He had it in for him. Yeah, he really did. But you know what the hell? Decatur was he was a fool. Yeah. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. I feel like we could talk to you about whiskey and um, history and all of those things for hours. Uh, But we do have some other stuff we have to get to tonight. So. Thank you. As soon as this pandemic thing you. clears up, we are coming over to the island and having some drinks with you, for sure. Uh, you can. Well, before you, so 
I don't know if we're going to be able to do it anymore, but uh, we have an event here um, called uh, Whiskeys for Wildlife. And once a year, uh, we do an event. It's only, we only have room for about 225 people. All of the whiskey brands from everywhere come. Uh, and the deal is, is that they bring everything but the kitchen sink. And then I bring about 200 whiskeys from the 50s and before. So we were able to do vertical tastings. Like we did a vertical last year of, um, last time we did it, we didn't get to do it last year because of the pandemic, but um, we've done verticals from the 1910s to current of, um, of, uh, of doers. We've done teachers, we've done beam, even when the beam wasn't calling themselves beam. So it's a, it's a good thing. And, and Yama, we just heard in the World Whiskies Awards uh, was just named again for the fifth time uh, Best American Grain Whiskey. So Congrats. just heard that, heard that yesterday, yesterday afternoon. So congratulations, you deserve it. Okay, thank you. Well, cheers, cheers. Thank you so much for being here. We're gonna like head out on a quick, quick break, but we are coming back after this break. This break is going to lead you, leave you, leave whatever. <laughs> with a trivia question. Uh, the first person that gets it right in the chat, so this is the chat as it appears to us, it might appear differently to you, but whatever we say goes, they are going to win something. Uh, I forgot what, what it was. Got? I'll tell you when we get back. I guess All that's right. the bell too. Um, the trivia question, um, everybody say bye to Keith first, and then Be I'm going to start with a trivia question. And in three, two, one, answer in the chat. everyone welcome back um my co-host is gone i guess that's a bell in no, itself did you run to the bathroom like what happened no, there that's like, not what i just had to do very very urgently <laughs> i looked up and you were gone so it looks like we finally um got an answer to the question the trivia question and oh, the answer to what the prize for the trivia question is and that prize, I don't know this song, dude, that keeps saying power poop. Oh, that's what you did. He's saying that you power pooped. I power pooped? <laughs> dude, if I could actually do that that quickly, it would make my life so much easier. No, no. I just... 
Okay, so we have these we have these things that I can't hold up. They're distillery maps. Tell them all about the map. Stop drinking, tell them about the map. I actually love the map. Uh, the maps are actually a really cool idea. Now, originally, it's kind of meant to be a thing that you can uh, scratch off. There's all the dis different distilleries across the country are listed on, if you look at Amy's screen. Um, but uh, they have little scratch-offs for each uh, distiller, uh, for each distillery. So as you go and you travel and you go and, uh, you know, go to each one, you scratch them off. If you're not traveling that much, which let's be frank, it's COVID times, none of us are. So, um, I've been using it as a way to kind of scratch off kind of around the world in a bottle sort of situation. So each time I try a different whiskey, I scratch it off and uh, it's actually pretty fun. I don't know. It's, it, it kind of puts into perspective the many different varieties and uh, appellations, I guess, if, you're, if you want to take a, a wine word from it. Uh, so, but I mean, it's it's super fun. I think you'll enjoy it. So, and so, uh, congratulations to this week's winner. Who's Who's this week's winner? I don't know. You tell me. It's it's Satan eighty one. The correct answer is Satan eighty one. No, Satan eighty one is the person that answered correctly in the chat. We've got to stop drinking pre-show. So, <laughs> do you even know what the question was? What seductive shot was created in nineteen eighty seven for a spring break contest in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, devised to showcase? What was that? It was made to showcase peach tree schnapps, and Satan eighty one got it right. It is sex on the beach. Damn, I would not have known that. Well, congratulations to you, Satan eighty one. You have won a very cool map. It's it's all over to you now, Christian. It's all over to me. Okay, yeah, well here just, we go. I was waiting for this very moment because every week Amy and I take turns telling you guys an additional story about someone affiliated with the whiskey world, whether it's a distiller or just a bootlegger or something something along those lines. So this week, I get to tell you the story. Amy got the chance last time. So I have chosen um, a, uh, a fun topic. So let's get into it. It's story time, whiskey friends. Tonight, I'm going to tell you about a dude you most definitely know. You might not be familiar with his curious and enduring presence in the whiskey world, though. He famously fought zombies for Hollywood, was a robot Hitler hybrid on Rick and Morty, and kept his na this nation together during the Civil War. He may have ended his career with a bang or two, uh, but he started it behind a bar and lives on as a fortuitous, fortuitous reference on many a whiskey bottle. It's the one and only penny man, Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, what the hell does he have to do with whiskey? Well, his story is linked to whiskey, starting with his father, Thomas Lincoln, an employee of the Boone Distillery in Kentucky. On a tip from his relation, the one and only Daniel Boone, he moved the family to Indiana with only a few barrels of whiskey in tow as payment for their new estate. His story, excuse me, as a young man, I know, I guess you probably drink. Uh, hmm. As a young man, Abe and a friend took out a loan and opened a sundry store that also sold whiskey in bulk. Once they were set up and saw the benefit of selling whiskey by the glass, they opened a bar on site. As recalled by the August 1901 edition of the Louisville Wine and Spirits Bulletin, one of their customers during this venture was to be a future political opponent of Abe, of Honest Abe. 
Senator Stephen Douglas. Man, all right. Stop you for a second. <laughs> How many mistakes did I make there? Because I'm not drinking that much. I rang the um, bell. I rang the bell, but I was on mute. Oh, look at you. That didn't even count. <laughs> it can't even work your Zoom. Anyway, uh, where was I? Um, <laughs> Stephen Douglas. That's right. Senator Stephen Douglas. So this is the Douglas of the historically significant Lincoln-Douglas debates. Like Michael Douglas? Yes. It's Michael Douglas in Wall Street with Abraham Lincoln. Cool. Yes. So you're absolutely right, Amy. No. During these debates, Senator Douglas reminisced about being a customer while Lincoln was tending bar in an attempt to frame him as this like negatively adjacent to boozing it up, right? So Lincoln's clapback, it is true that I have to do the Lincoln with it. <laughs> it is true that the first time I saw Judge Douglas, I was selling whiskey by the drink. I was on the inside of the bar and the judge was on the outside. I was busy selling. He was busy buying. That clapback was his mic drop moment that almost got him a guest verse on the Cardi B track. But uh, his bar owning days were threatened, however, as his partner took getting high on your own supply to new heights, putting the business into dire financial That's straits. like rule number three. No, five. Is it five? Is that five? Don't get high on your own supply? Never get high. Yeah. Yeah? All right. Well, Wait, this guy didn't is listen. It? I don't know. It should be rule number one, um, actually. But um, if you really want to get, we'll go into the mechanics of all that later. But Abe, Abe pulled some bootstrap action. There were some noses on grindstones, rolled up sleeves and grit, what have you, etc. He repaid the outstanding debt without complaint and in full, gaining him the nickname. And this is funny because I didn't notice. This is actually where he got the nickname Honest Abe from was from his bar. He didn't let his bar go into crazy debt and then run off and, you know, move to Barbados or something. Uh, but anyway, after all of this drama, Abraham Lincoln retired to a cozy and uneventful life as a senator come president of a fractured nation, emancipator, commander-in-chief of the Union Army, and theater-goer slash bullet cushion. Um, sorry, Abraham. Um, rest in peace. Uh, strangely enough, this is where Abraham's Lincoln on Abraham Lincoln's impact on whiskey gets a little bit twisty. Unlike today, where every faction of the political diaspora would use Lincoln's corpse as a mascot, the time after his death was met with idolization on one side and demonization on the other. He was himself a powerful brand, and many distillers used his mythic presence as a tweak to their message. As of 1900, the Bell of Lincoln and Lincoln Club brands had been registered. Uh, and ironically, neither of those brands were referencing Abraham directly, but were coined in relation to a Tennessee county and as a riff on Canadian Club whiskey, as we just heard from Keith earlier back in the day. Canadian whiskeys were actually quite popular. Um, another brand, Old Abe, was actually named after a bald eagle that was a mascot for Wisconsin Infantry Division. Now, the eagle was named after Abraham Lincoln, but I guess the eagle itself was a safer marketing bet than the president it was named for. So Lincoln mania actually didn't get kick in, truly, the way that we understand and appreciate Abraham Lincoln. Hold on. Uh, didn't 
Lincoln Lincoln Mania. Lincoln Mania. It's like, Did it's you make like, that oh, up? <laughs> yeah. It's, no, I pulled that from like the the Harvard Law Review. I don't know. Yes, I made Lincoln Mania up, but it was no. Seriously, think of what we think of Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln now, right? You can't fucking say anything bad about Abraham Lincoln. Abraham I Lincoln, can. Abraham Lincoln. I can. You. Oh my God! Of course you can. All right. So yes. Yeah. Like spoil the story, Amy. Making the. Come on, had, Debbie Downer. I already Wait. spoiled it in season one. You should listen. Uh, uh, first of all, he had terrible facial hair, but I don't like facial hair anyway. Uh, okay. Secondly, he... Why don't you save that for your TikTok video? Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. But he... I'm not mad at Abe, because mm-hmm. we're close like that, but I am mad at the Ford's Theater. It's like this thing. It's like up there with glitter. It's like... That's not his fault. No, but like maybe he shouldn't have run across the street to die or like haunt the place because it's ridiculous. The Ford Theater should not be touting that it's where he died. That he didn't die the there. Ford Theater where he got shot. Yeah, because he nuts. got shot there. It's not even the same place. The building fucking fell down. Sorry, mom. Yeah. And they rebuilt it. It was an office space when it fell down. And they're trying to play it off like the National Park Service. I support you in any other instance. But in this case, no. No. It's a lie. You were lying to the American public. That dude did not die there. This is true. Amy, thank you for letting everybody know how painfully exact your, you know, historical monuments have to be. Uh, We appreciate it. And I would just and I would just like to thank Wit for supporting me in my pure hatred for glitter. Jessica's for laughing. Glitter? Oh my yeah, god. Jessica's Nobody laughing over glitter. there because like it's no, it's like, ugh. Like I would rather run my fingers or my teeth down a chalkboard than be around glitter. How would you even get your teeth on a chalkboard? You have to try. Can you can you unhinge your jaw opening up the I guess you can. I don't know. That's Anyway, back to Abraham. Oh, are you sorry that you interrupted my story now? We were talking about you unhinging your jaw. No, okay. Well, let's get back to Lincoln Mania then. All right. Anyway, Lincoln Mania got kicked into full gear during Prohibition. It had a lot to do with just people getting over the damn Civil War, or basically his stories and the myth of the president became a a big deal. And this is probably post World War One, where you know, country, the union, you know, made, was a thing again. But anyway, so, but this, uh, this surge was led by a huge New York to San Francisco highway project. Is that crazy enough? Uh, bearing his name. It was a, the Lincoln Trail or whatever. Uh, the businesses all over the country, not just in liquor, but with everything, you know, attached his name to nearly every business name, like Lincoln Cupcakes, you know, sort of shit. But uh, but anyway, but the 16th president finally gained the superstardom the old Southern losers had denied him until then. Uh, by 1935, as in the whiskey world anyway, you had Lincoln Inn, the Canadian brand, no less, uh, Lincoln Pride, and most directly related to the road project, uh, Lincoln Trail. Uh, and that bottle actually had his picture on the bottle unlike a lot of the other early ones that were trying to skirt around the issue that maybe it's about a Lincoln or maybe it's about this bald eagle. I don't know. Depends on whether you were a union or Confederate. Um, but anyway, 
there's a story. There's actually a story about Lincoln being confronted about his newly appointed uh, general, Ulysses S. Grant, being a complete and utter drunk. You know, I think that's a fair, well, probably the first thing you ever learned about Ulysses S. Grant is that he was a drunk. But uh, Lincoln. Wait, wait, that's not the first thing you learned. No, oh, that he was a general in the Union. And then, okay, it's the second thing you learn about Grant. Wait, is it really the second thing you learn, or we just know this? And that's fairly common knowledge, I think, that he was a a drunk. But anyway, that's just me. I have a bit of a Civil War boner. He had had whiskey stored in his tent, right? Yeah, at all times. At all times. He was a freaking lush. So you're calling him a drunk, but if you had a tent, you'd store whiskey in it, too. So Even if I didn't have a tent. (laughs) <laughs> I would have I would have the whiskey. Somebody said ding. Yeah. I don't even know what it's for, but I just did it. That's all right. It just it gives me a reason. Because oh, I changed my glasses. Because <laughs> I couldn't see. <laughs> well, you also have like eighty thousand pairs of glasses. That's the one thing that you might not know about Amy. She collects glasses, which is <laughs> hilarious. Everybody but anyway, but anyway, so Grant is getting shaded, or Lincoln's getting shaded because of Grant because he's a drunk. So Lincoln, ever ever the shade-throwing queen that he was, replied that he wanted to know what brand of whiskey Grant drank because he intended to send barrels of it to all of his generals so maybe for once they'd win some motherfucking battles. Uh, Old Crow was really quick to raise their hand and claim to be the whiskey in question. Um, In 1992, Jim Beam Distillery introduced Knob Creek, a reference to the water source adjacent to Abe's childhood home in Kentucky. And more recently, Boundary Oak Distillery unveiled their American spirits line of bottles, one in particular that's dedicated to Abraham Lincoln. Um, The corks, this is actually pretty interesting. I love this. The corks for those bottles are made from the actual Boundary Oak tree that informed the property line of Abraham Lincoln's childhood Kentucky home, which is, I think, collectible in its own right. And a little piece of stupid minutia about it, that tree itself was probably the last living contemporary thing that shared the same kind of like domicile or whatever as Abraham Lincoln. It died in 1976, I believe, um, uh, and was 197 years old. Yeah, I did research into the tree. <laughs> Anyway, that's my story Christian. for this episode. <laughs> okay. What? Somebody, somebody, history writer, who I Uh-oh, feel like somebody, if your name... Is someone like correcting me in real time? If your name is history writer, I feel like you probably know more than we Damn know it. about history. But he said that Grant was not a drunk. I'm assuming he was talking about Grant. He said he was not a drunk. He was a binge drinker between campaigns and he was never drunk on the battlefield. I can respect that. And I would not have known the distinction of it when I say, and this is fun. That, well, I think otherwise he would have been an alcoholic. When I say drunk, it's somebody who knows when to drink and when not to. So, so Grant, Grant is yeah. one of history writers, favorite historical figures. And I feel like we need to figure out who history, his, Who's his, yeah. who history Use writer your words, is. Amy. Use your words. Anything. Um, <laughs> And we're making somebody refill, which is kind of the point. So, wait, no, Nolan. I'm, I'm oh, Please, we're already writer, have give it. us some more detail on that. History writer's Nolan, and he's already going to be on the podcast. Oh, so, well. Yeah. You can correct me to my face, Nolan, when the time arrives. 
I'm but uh, but anyway, Amy, that's it. That's my story for the episode. That I hope everyone awesome. out there has walked away from with this with a few conversation points. Sure to make your friends wonder what the hell you do with your spare time. Oh, yeah, that's true. We're talking about Grant and <sighs> anyway. Um, I'm totally thrown off because I've had too much to drink during our our time here. We well, do you have just a couple. Up so much then. Well, you should stop. <laughs> anyway, we have a couple of listener questions to ask, and then we have our giveaway. And mm-hmm. so let's start with question number one. Where do you get all your info? I'll let you, you answer take first. That first Amy. Oh, I can take it. Um, the internet, because it couldn't be wrong if it came off of the internet. I also pretend like I read a lot of books. I don't read a lot of books. I look at a lot of pictures. This is not, I'm going to stop you on that, Amy. Actually, everyone out there, Amy actually has a shit ton of books on the subject. And I don't know what the hell she's doing with them if not reading them because they all have little tabs. Like, you know, the the things that you see people like investigators in movies do, but you never do that. I just pulled the page over. But uh, but she's got all these little tabs hanging out of all these little history, like whiskey history books. But she keeps on maintaining that she only looks up stuff on Wikipedia, which... Uh, isn't true she does her research um sometimes youtube also um, sometimes youtube just to make it classy when you saw the book with all the tabs in it were you like wow she's really nerdy i was i was impressed i don't know maybe i shouldn't have been maybe maybe i just maybe i just get a book and put tabs in it so i'm like people think i read it. oh my god that's a brilliant idea i'm gonna do that and leave one out at all times whenever there's anyone around that i need to like maybe feel like i'm smart around like, oh my God, he tabulates books. What the hell? Tabulates. Wow. Whoa. That's a word. Big words. Okay. So That's where do you word. get where do you get all of your information from? The same damn place. <laughs> no, I mean I have Amy's books and then um I mean the the internet. I mean, no, it's the internet. Why would you go anywhere? I don't even I would like to want, know why we feel bad saying we get all the information off the internet. As if the internet is not the giant compendium of all human knowledge. Like seriously. we also get all of our whiskey out of a bottle. So this is true. Yeah. Us for that. It's a good so, source for that. Yeah. Yeah. And we never claimed all of our information was accurate either. So mm-hmm. there's that. Um, the next question is what's by the way, while we're answering this question, feel free to ask us any questions, anything you want to know, we might answer it. Um they don't serve whiskey in a bag um, from the comments. It's not wine. You can't get a bag of whiskey, although you can get a paper carton of whiskey. I mean, listen, depending on the bag, like, I don't know. Why wouldn't you? I could serve. You Anyone can serve whiskey in a bag. You, sir, madam, whoever you are online, you can serve whiskey whenever you want it to serve it in. A bag, go for it. Um Next question is, what started your interest in this topic? And I think that when they said this topic, they didn't mean Bainbridge specifically. No. Mm-hmm. Um, whiskey th- in general? I think the question is like in talking about dead men. Oh, okay. Well, this would, you should, I mean... This is your baby to begin with, say Amy. So you, you, I can tell you why I was interested in doing it. But this is how did you? Okay, I'll go. You, yeah, I'll go first. I think I feel like I've talked about this before, but 
Um, this is actually ridiculous based on what happened today. In 20, what year is it? Oh my God, Amy. <laughs> 2021, 20, in 2019, 2019, I went on an 8,000 mile road trip and I went to Tennessee and mm-hmm. I went to the Jack Daniels distillery because somebody from Jack Daniels was like, you need to go to the distillery. And I was like, I want to go. So I went to the distillery and on the tour, they talk about how Jack Daniels, the man passed away. (laughs) Apparently I didn't ring the bell when I didn't know what year it was. Yeah, Um, I know. I rang mine and you didn't drink. I drank. Oh, I didn't hear it. Probably would have done that anyway, Um, but still. Mm -hmm. So uh, they kept talking about Jack Daniels, the man, or Jack Daniel, the man. And I was like, I never thought that there was an actual man. And then my brain was like, but who's Jim Beam? Who's Evan Williams? And I spent a lot of time in the car driving and thought about this and then got back to the office. This was, again, summer of 2019. This is important to know that it was over, well over a year ago. Mm-hmm. Got back, got back to the office and we were signing brands up for Seattle Cocktail Week. And we had a brand called Jamesy Pepper that signed up. And I was like, I know nothing about Jamesy Pepper. Who's Jamesy Pepper? And asked someone that worked in the office to like, is a joke. I was like, but how did he die? And she actually looked it up and told me the story in like four sentences. And I became obsessed. And I think that you know that I am like 100% oh, obsessed. Like your, your dead boyfriend. Yeah, no, I know. I understand. Yeah. Like I have dreams about teaching James E. Pepper how to drive. My truck is named James E. Pepper, my mini truck. And um, yeah. Maybe lived a very wonderful life that's full of fun. Yeah, our internet thing here is James E. Pepper. Like I am James E. Pepper obsessed. And so that started this process of like, anytime there was a name, I wanted to know how somebody died. And a lot of these men, not all of them, but a lot um, have, wait, you just made me really sad seeing that in the text, but a lot of them are chat, whatever. Fuck. Uh, a lot of them probably drank a lot. So they lived really interesting lives and that's what started this whole thing. And then, cause I see that people are sad over Seattle cocktail week when Seattle cocktail week got canceled last year, I was like, I've been saying I'm going to do this podcast for forever and now I'm going to do it. Cause I'm stuck home in my attic with nothing else to do. So let's create a podcast and talk about old dead dudes. Amy hangs out in her attic, even though she has a really big, beautiful house, but she, yeah. <laughs> she just stays in the attic, which by the way, it's not a finished attic either. It's just like nails through like dusty floorboards and raccoons, but she's just <laughs> She huddles up in a corner and hisses at people. It's it's kind of creepy. Okay, that's not but true. That's not true at all. Not it's actually very true. nice. But um, I don't to, hiss. to add just a little bit to that, just as a counterpoint to <coughs> Amy's, um, you know, Amy created this podcast. So obviously the all the thought processes and machinations that went into making this thing actually happen, that's on her end. Uh, but when she had, when she asked me to be a part of this, she knew my enthusiasm for drinking whiskey for the last <laughs> like 20 years uh, that we've known each other. And I've always been a big fan, uh, but I was also a journalist and a, you know, a, a writer. I was a travel writer for 
Vice Magazine, for Nowhere Magazine, for Bushwick Daily, for all these things of food, drinks, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and my inten- I just have an intense curiosity for history. And I think that marrying those two things was just an interesting opportunity. And uh, given I was probably in the same boat, Amy's hanging up and hanging out in her dusty attic with the raccoons and the squirrels. And <laughs> I'm, I'm wasting away in this tiny one bedroom apartment in Brooklyn uh, where all my film projects have been canceled and whatnot. And she uh, offered this uh, situation. And I got to say, that's not where the, the interest in the topic didn't start then, simply because if we had had a conversation, Amy, if you and I had had the conversation five years ago about James E. Pepper and you brought it up and I was like, oh, fascinated, I would be the first person going home and going down a Wikipedia, like, you know, rabbit hole on everything to do with the person. So that's is, just in my nature. So as this long as I've known time. you, as long as I've known you, you've been really interested in whiskey. Yeah, yeah. No, I've always been very interested in it, but I never looked at it as a, on a, on a professional level or as something that was going to ever, that would ever be, you know, sitting here talking to people about it that weren't, you know, suffering me in a bar. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, I'm glad that question uh, came up because I was thinking about that myself. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? (laughs) Seriously. But I was, uh, you know, coming down to the, the question of like, you know, how lucky am I, am I to actually be in this position to be doing this with you, Amy? And that's uh, uh, is a culmination of a lot of the adventures in life, uh, whether it's sitting behind a glass at a bar with a friend or doing research on a particular uh, city or town and 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 their particular offerings and the things that they have that you know you can't find anywhere else. So, which has been kind of my stock and trade. But I guess this is a good marriage of the two things. Christian, I'm really excited that you're doing this. Also, I'm super excited. excited. (laughs) Did you look in the chat that somebody just dinged somebody else's, somebody rang the bell on somebody else's comment? Someone else's comment? (laughs) Makes me so happy. (laughs) It's getting real. Nobody stab each other. Be nice. But nobody else (laughs) asked questions outside of how many pairs of glasses I have. So. So how many um, pairs of glasses you got? Yeah, that's a common question. I don't know, you I me a box chat. and they're all very expensive. And no, they're not, mom. You have a lot of they're really not. cool stuff. They're cool glasses, really though. inexpensive, mom. Anyway. <laughs> all right. So the last <laughs> thing we have for tonight. I'm sorry. What is our next episode? Jessica. I don't know. <laughs> all I hear, all I hear, is Jessica in the dark over there laughing. Like, don't we have an intern? <laughs> we don't have an intern. Don't we have someone who knows what answers the questions? Is really oh. the answer. Okay, hold on. We've got some questions. Uh, right. Why George T. Pepper? First of all, it's James E. Pepper. Oh yeah, don't even get. Don't like make her have to correct that shit. Um, it's episode one of season one. Uh, why him? Because, okay, Gillywagon, which is my business. Excuse me, I I can't drink like this every week or every other week. Um, Gillywagon, which is my business, is a Gillywagon is the thing, the ornate cart that takes the circus from one location to another. And I'm slightly obsessed with all things circus and, um, 
Yeah, I'm obsessed with all things circus. James E. Pepper was the distiller version of P.T. Barnum. He was like over the top and he lived this like boisterous life and just like a little bit fucking insane, but that made him interesting. And I, I feel like there's a ding going on up here, but I don't know what it is. And so like it just he was like over the top and he was into advertising and like, how do I do the craziest thing to sell my product? And like, I have mad respect for that. But then he like died in a dumb way. <laughs> on christmas eve and if you don't know you should listen to episode one so yeah go back to the archives check them out so next question is is there a bartender story there's not and there's not because uh we forgot to do one yeah we're we suck uh, yeah. sometimes but uh we're awesome at other times too though. i can tell uh, you about uh, i'll tell you my own bartender story just to make everybody happy there was one day that i was managing a bar for a music festival i'm not going to say any names but a billionaire came in and got really really mad because he wanted diet pepsi and we didn't have any diet pepsi and then i offered him some seltzer water and he was like that's not the kind of seltzer water i want and i was like will this do and he said it's not diet pepsi and i said well, I mean, what do you want? And he was like, Diet Pepsi. And I was like, well, you'll drink this if you're thirsty enough and walked away. That's almost a suicidal tendency song. But uh, yeah. <laughs> all you wanted was a damn Pepsi. Damn. Doc, no, not, not Dr. Pepsi. Diet Pepsi. <laughs> do you know, how, <laughs> you know how hard it is to find a Diet Pepsi? Also, I should mention that it was his venue and he paid for everything. I want there. a Dr. Pepsi now. <laughs> no, Dr. Pepsi. Yeah. I have to go to the Taco Bell and mix the two together in a cup. I think that we, you know what I think we, we should start doing? It. Yeah. Well, we talked about it on an episode that I don't know if the episode's played yet or what the situation is. No, I don't, I don't know, know what we're doing. That is, but Jessica, yeah. what is next week's episode? Oh, it's Colonel Taylor. Duh. Yeah. Oh, Colonel Taylor. That's a good one. Yeah. Next week, like we're talking one. about Colonel Taylor. It's an audio episode. And then we will be back in two weeks. And I can't remember who the guest is for that, but we're going to have a guest. I think we should start bringing on a guest that's just going to ring the bell every time we mess up. I mean, I, we, I can make that happen. I, I can have a, a professional bell ringer of, of, available but, for these but episodes. But no, I feel like we've got all of these... Um, yeah, right, it does make it sound just... like I don't know what my next episode is. Thank you. Because <laughs> I don't. Who the fuck is writing these things? Yeah, I don't. My brain was thinking. Why are we supposed to know all this shit? Oh, George Dickel died. Okay. And then history writer wrote, my brain was thinking James Pepper, but my thumbs were still on George Dickel and Dickel died very similar. (laughs) Similarly to Jamesy Pepper. Um, So ding for my next guest. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Um, History writer, volunteers, moderator, Nolan, seriously, we need to have you on here. Um, And song. So what were your thumbs doing on the Dickel? Um, George Dickel. Oh, George Dickel. Okay. Yeah. There's an episode about him too. Has a name. Okay. Um, anyway, we should probably, we're going nowhere on this very quick. And it's like, you guys are great. Oh, the drawing, the drawing. So. Yeah, we have a, a contest. Yeah, the drawing. So. 
Your name got in here. If you, oh Jesus, I almost took an eye out. Your name got in here. If you pre-registered on the website, so I suggest pre-registering for every live show. Um, Wit, you're in charge of running tally of who inspired the most bell rings and because it's probably going to be me. And um, this person who pre-registered, this person right here, I only drew one this time, is going to win a Dead Men of Whiskey t-shirt. Are we ready? Do it. Who has a drum roll? Oh, you had it already. Wow. We're like totally in sync. And the winner is, are you ready? Heather Garcia. Heather Garcia? Yes. Such an unlikely come from behind win. All right. Congratulations. Christian's drank all the whiskey that was in his little sample things. And uh, yeah, you guys are amazing. I'm sorry we've become such a shit show towards the end here. It's not a shit show. It's a whiskey show. <laughs> and this is exactly how it should be done. All right. Guys, thanks. It was great. Pleasure hanging with everybody tonight thank you for watching thank you for being with us and then spending this time we will see you in two weeks live but tune in next wednesday for the colonel taylor episode you'll love it and until then make sure you rate us on apple Podcasts. subscribe buy merch tell us you love us and please 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 send us your questions we will answer them on the next show have a good night bye Thanks for listening. Amy and Christian will be back next Whiskey Wednesday with a new audio episode. While you wait, why don't you leave them a voicemail with your thoughts at deadmenofwhiskey.com. They'd love to hear from you, and your voicemail just might be included in the show. Until then, friends, drink up, live legendary, and as always, please drink responsibly. <laughs>